Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, before we get into this week's interview, we wanted to give you a little update about what's going on behind the scenes at Woven. So as you know, if, as you may have heard, we're in a pandemic and things are weird. So we've been kind of reevaluating some of the episodes we put out and some of the content we're creating. And if you didn't know, we have a whole other little thing going on at Patreon, which we'll talk about what Patreon is in a second. But we have an online community there as well with people um, where we get to be a little bit more um, unfiltered, I guess you could say. And we decided going forward that because churches aren't really meeting as much in person and a lot of us are missing that like Bible, I mean, we're still doing church online, but like maybe if you were in a small group or a Bible study, you may not be meeting now or it might be on Zoom or whatever. So we're going to bring that to you over on Patreon. So um, for $5 a month, we are going to do much like the small group schedule of every couple weeks um, at churches. We're going to get together and we're going to talk about the Old Testament. Because I don't know if you've heard, but the Old Testament has a lot of stuff in there about, you know, what are we feeling? Exile, isolation, uncertainty, uncertainty, (laughs) all things that I could definitely, um, I am an enthusiast about the Old Testament, but I am not a scholar, but luckily Rebecca Pete is. So she is going to lead us on discussions of all of these things. I'm going to ask all the dumb questions so you don't have to, and we're just going to learn together. So if that sounds like something that you would look forward to and that you would um, enjoy listening to, please check it out. We'll have the link in the show notes. And um, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's sort of a pledge system, much like PBS, where you pledge a monthly donation and we're asking $5 a month and that will get you the two bonus episodes. So I think that's well worth it if it, you know, gives you some time in the word, some time knowing that other people are listening to the same thing with you and that you're learning together and hopefully a little comic relief and a little, um, lightness brought into that as well. So what else, Rebecca? I mean, it's super easy. I think people don't realize you just click on the Patreon link in our show notes and you can like do it through PayPal. You don't even have to go find your credit card. It's real easy to, to sign up and get, it's get true. going. So we ask yeah. if you, um, if you, if you like Woven, if you feel like it is a resource to you, we ask that you would prayerfully consider donating. And now, on to the show. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Um, we're starting a new series over here on Woven, um, just kind of preparing for fall and what um, this fall looks like um, in this pandemic era that we find ourselves in and what it looks like to be a mom and a parent. And, or if you don't have kids, I'm sure you're surrounded by coworkers or, or nieces and nephews. I mean, I just feel like this is like just the conversation that's going on right now is what are the long-term decisions we need to make without knowing what's going to happen um, for the kids in our country and for our own kids and um, our family's kids and all of those things. And, and I feel like there's a lot of just like anxiety and fear um, and depression going around on surrounding all of these decisions. Um, So we're going to start a series um, leading into the start of school, into the fall about how to um, just process all of this. Um, And so today to start the series, we have my friend Michelle Niedert on and um, Michelle is a licensed professional counselor, but we've also known each other for a while from the writing world because we um, attended She Speaks Together. It was my first She Speaks. I don't think it was yours, but it would have been 2016, maybe. It might have been, if it wasn't mine, it was like my second, maybe. I don't know. I was like, like looking at our like boxer group that still like kind of hangs out together. Oh, it's She Speaks 17. So we went to it. It's a writer and speaker conference, um, a a really big one that happens in Charlotte, North Carolina every year. And that's where Michelle and I met. Um, We were in a group that was also in Hope Writers, which I talk a lot about on um, this podcast because that's where I meet a lot of my friends. (laughs) But, um, and a lot of our people that we have on the podcast. (laughs) But 
<laughs> we met because a Hope Writer group was meeting at She Speaks. Anyways, so that's how Michelle and I connected. And Michelle and I have some similar background in that I'm from Waco and she went to Baylor. And then we have a, we have a seminary background. And then she also obviously has a counseling background. So that's enough for my introduction of you because I totally botched that. But I'm going to let you introduce <laughs> yourself, Michelle, and give a little bit because you would do a lot in life. So I think you need to share what um, it is that you do. Well, and I think this topic is so, I'm so passionate about trying to help parents become equipped to, to manage the flexibility they're going to need to deal with this situation where they're having to make choices about school, where they're not making choices about school and having to accept those. Because I come from such a background of that. My mom was a teacher. I taught um, English. I taught ESL. I taught journalism and reading for years in the public school system. And then I was a public school counselor. I started a crisis counseling program for a school district of over 13,000 kids. Um, I have done everything with my kids. I have done school at home with my kids. I have homeschooled my kids. My kids have been in public school. And I'm currently the mental health consultant for a private Christian school that has a university model. So they do school at home intentionally. They go to school three days a week, and then the kids do school at home two days a week. And so mamas are kind of used to that. And a lot of us, some moms are stay-at-home moms, and some are like me. We're juggling you know, a career and a job and trying to work at home while our kids are doing school at home. And so it was kind of funny because everybody kind of freaked out when this hit with COVID. And I'm like, oh, we just do this. You know, we'll figure this out. Um, and, and so it's funny because I'm hearing moms talking. Yes, you're going to create, you're going to try to create a designated space. You're going to have to create, train your kids. Like my kids, if they walk past my French doors of my office, they're not coming near me if they see me in action because they know you have to be bleeding. The house needs to be on fire. There's a break in. If it's not 911 worthy, it is not interrupt mama worthy during work. And that's tough. But I also try to come out to them some during breaks. So this is an unusual time. And I, I want to kind of like deal with the logistics side of this. But I also want to say to moms, it's okay if you're kind of like really anxious because there is no one right decision for you and you're going to do the best you can by your kids. And that's good enough. And for those of you who don't get a choice, we grieve beside you. Um, and, and we support you as you try to figure this out the best you can. And I promise you all these kids are going to be okay. They're, they're going to make it to graduation someday, no matter <laughs> what happens in our houses. <laughs> so I think that's just really important that we know that, um, that our kids are, kids are resilient. That's the thing I love about doing child and family therapy is they're resilient. Yeah. yeah. So let's process a little bit because Rebecca and I are in very vastly different situations, but I feel like we probably represent a lot of um, our listeners um, because there's so many choices going on right now. But so for me, I'll let Rebecca say what's going on with her. But for me, for those um, that are listening that don't know, I have a rising fifth grader and a rising second grader. And um, we've always done public school. That's where we've, oh, outside of, you know, private preschool. But outside of that, we've always, we've been in the public school. We have not made any changes. And our public school di um, district has decided to give us a choice. So you can go face to face or you can do um, virtual one, but we have to make the decision for the whole semester. So like other districts around us are making, having you just make the decision for nine weeks or whatever, but we have to make the decision for the whole semester. So everybody around me is trying to decide what is the best option? Like, what is the best option for my kids academically? What's the best option for our family? What's the best option health-wise? Like, what's the smart decision? So all the moms and parents around me are really struggling. Like, they go back and forth all the time. And we have, like, this 10-day time frame of making this decision, right? And so, and then some people... So, like, for me, I'm looking at all of our options. Should we homeschool? Should we go to private school? Like, we're currently, we're currently applying to all these private Christian schools in, like, a instant amount of time, like within a couple of weeks. And like, do I just send one kid to that and keep one kid at home? So there's like, like I, the, my anxiety is with, I have so many options. What is the right option? I think Rebecca is in a little bit different, but you can talk about what yours is, but your, your options have been much more narrowed now. Do you want to well, talk about what's going on with you? Yeah, mine, well, ours was our county chose for us that we were going to start back with virtual learning, um, August 17th, which is like three weeks later, I think than it was supposed to be. And they're going to decide on a monthly basis um, whether to continue virtual learning or not, um, which I don't have a great feeling about it. I don't think September is going to come and we're going to magically return to school. 
So I'm preparing myself for it at least through the winter. And if that doesn't happen, I will be pleasantly surprised. But my girls are... Um, I have twin girls. They're entering kindergarten. So um, part of my stress I'm feeling for my school for them is this is already a new situation. You know, they've been at the same little preschool for, they were there for four years and started in PMO. Um, and so this is a new school year. We've been doing our best to hype it up before COVID and they were really excited. And then we're like, just kidding. Um, you're not actually going. (laughs) So it's just, it's, it's already a transition year. You know, they were already really sad about leaving their school. And now it's like, mommy's going to teach you in the playroom. So sorry about that. Um, and it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're resilient. Like you said, they're great, but my kids are very social and extroverted and loud and I am introverted and just, it's, I mean, I, I never want to complain about my children, you know, like I, I don't, because I love them to death, obviously. It's just that like, it's literally we're different personality types who they're, they take precedence. Of course they do. Like they, their needs take priority over mine because I'm their mom. But after months of that, I'm just getting to a point where I'm like, I can't keep going this way, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's where we're at. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, as I listen to both of you, I kind of want to reflect, you know, counselors like to reflect things they hear. And so Rebecca, as I was listening to you talk about um, your two kids and having to make decisions, I want to change the question that I think moms are asking. And you asked the question I think most people are asking, and that is what is right? What is the right decision for my children or for us? I think the question needs to become, what's the best decision I can make based on the information I have right now about Mm -hmm. my kids and the resources our family has as well? Because hindsight is always 20-20 and we don't get that. And we don't have magic balls. So I think we, we have to kind of decide, first of all, that no decision is wrong. The fact that you have a decision doesn't mean you, you're not going to make a wrong decision for your kids. If your child gets an education, I always joked when I had kids a little bit younger than Re- the other Rebecca's, I would say, um, if my child's still breathing, I'm doing great. <laughs> you know, that was like my standard of motherhood some days. <laughs> so I think that um, in this case, if your child is getting an education, you've won. So yeah. you're all, everybody's going to win here because everybody's kid's going to find a way to be educated this year. And I think we need to start with that hope to just kind of lower the anxiety altogether and just begin to think, okay, what's the best choice I can make based on the information and the resources that I have for my kids? And, and then we have to make a decision and we manage that decision. And then I think for those who don't get a choice, first of all, we have to accept that. That's kind of like, it's funny. I was talking to a non-believer client yesterday and he and I both couldn't come up with any other way to express the struggle he was having other than the serenity prayer, right? Um, Accept the things I can change, change the things I can, all those things. We really can't, you don't have control, Rebecca. You're going to have two five-year-olds at home. And you're going to do the best job you can not being an equipped nor called five-year-old kindergarten teacher. I mean, that, that my, my niece and nephew just experienced that with COVID. And I told my sister-in-law, like, I was like, do I need to bring you food? I don't know what I should do, but I feel like in a way that like not having a kindergarten teacher is like a death in the family. <laughs> like for me, it would be because yeah. I don't do centers and I don't do messy I know. I'm not that mom. I'm not that mom either. And I totally get it. And then I think we do, you know, I'm dealing with two very different children as well. That one that has like, he's almost in heaven. He's like, mm-hmm. um, that's my younger I only one need too. to play with like my one friend and you're letting me do that. And yeah. I can like wrap myself in my cozy blanket and wear my little, I mean, he's still wearing his, he was wearing his zip ups to school in Texas in May, you know, the little onesies, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's all fuzzied up. He's loving doing online school. He's very yeah. self-directed. And my daughter, I keep trying to change her expectations. I know the, the school that she attends, which is a private school, is working on maybe getting some kind of clear helmet so we're not in full mask because that's something else you have to think about. Rebecca, I didn't get a chance to ask you, but you're, if you choose school, in-person school, will the kids have to wear a mask? Will the teachers be in masks? It's not required for the students. It's highly 
suggested for the students, um, but the teachers are required to wear them. Yes. So I think it's pretty important that if you are thinking about sending your child to school and the school is going to require the teacher have a mask on, or maybe even your child wear a mask, that a lot of us have held our kids back from that experience quite a bit. We go to the grocery store, but we don't take our kids with us. Um, you know, depending on which state you live in. In Texas, we got for a while where we weren't wearing masks. We're on governor's order now to have a mask wherever we go. So with that being the case, our kids will be going to school unless something changes in the next month with a mask. Or I like the idea of the clear face shield a little bit because you do have, you know, I'm a counselor. I want to see people's faces. Um, And I think, but I don't know if those are going to fit our kids well. That's another thing you're going to want to start thinking about. Now, if you're thinking about sending your child to school and they might be wearing a mask, is if they're too big, they're going to come up around their eyes and kind of down low and they're going to be comfortable. So we have been doing some interesting mask ordering and fitting um, in our house just so if my kids have to go out, they're, they're comfortable with their mask. And we needed it when we went on our family vacation. There were some places in Branson, Missouri that they required that we all wear a mask. So we kind of began, I realized then my kids were like, I hate this mask. It's scratchy. It's too big. It's fogging Mm -hmm. up my sunglasses. Like I started learning some things then through that process of them being in public with a mask on. So I think trying to figure out, can is that something your child will manage well? Or would they do better in an online scenario with a teacher who is face-to-face with them? But... If you're going to go to online school, something that we looked at with school at home is your child's got to have a certain level level of what we call executive management skills. So they have to be, it's, 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 it's kind of like it rounds in the realm of ADHD, but it's really true. I mean, I have struggles with some executive management skills. Like they have to have a sense of time. They have to have a sense of task initiation there's some aspects of that that are going to be really difficult and leave you kind of being the nagging teacher parent if your child doesn't manage that well. Well, can I um, interject? So I am that. I do not have time management skills. I, like just naturally, like I am, that is not who I am. I, re, I, I think I have ADD. Like I'm, I've never been diagnosed, but like I have every symptom you could have. And I just really struggle to focus. Um, so part of what, I mean, I want to remember if we don't talk about it right this second, we can later, but just for moms who are having to manage that. Cause like, I feel like it, that was my stress last year at the end of the year with having to do all of this was like, I suck at that. So how am I supposed to have my kids do it when I, it, it's just, I mean, it was like probably one of the hardest things I've had to do as a parent. So definitely some coping skills for that are helpful. Um, we use timers in our home a lot, uh-huh. especially my son has speech therapy and we, um, we missed the first one. So now we have alarms. We use, um, I think this is where technology can be very helpful. We have them going off on our phones, on our Amazon Alexas, all kinds of places that kind of help us with that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to encourage you though. The good news about kindergarten is the time frames are very small which means a yeah. lot of change, but they, we know they have small attention spans. Are you saying I have the attention span of a kindergartner? Is that what you're saying, Michelle? Because you would be right. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but actually you would be shocked what the statistics are on how many seconds the, te- the attention span on a national average right now. It's not even minutes anymore. Thanks. To oh, me. wow. Yeah. So that's reality for all of us. But then you think about your middle school child who is literally going to be going from 45 minute to 45 minute class in a zoom. My daughter did this last spring. What you've said to me though, Rebecca Cochran, which is kind of helpful. I don't know whether I'd call you Becca C. I don't know what I should do. I can call Rebecca, (laughs) Rebecca. But um, um, one of the things that um, you would be aware of is like, you're like me. True traditional homeschool is not a good option for us because I need a teacher holding me accountable. Right. <laughs> what I call the scope and sequence as an educational professional. And that means that we get through all the material by the end of the year. And I have friends who've done homeschool and they've really, really struggled. They are into like July finishing up work that most kids did in March because yeah. they've, they've, they've taken days off. They weren't very focused. The kids weren't focused. 
you know, and that's where it does become an educational challenge. I had a good friend who had to hire a professional tutor for homeschool kids to kind of get them caught up on their math and their reading and their writing skills to be age appropriate. And, yeah. and that's kind of the worst case scenario. And that's where when you're doing, I like to call it school at home because uh-huh. to me that's yeah. very different. Um, yes. Because then the teacher's driving the assignments. Uh-huh. Now, the one thing we have to learn to be flexible about is we're also turning everything in electronically. So there's going to be oopsies along the way with that. And we have to prepare. I did not prepare my child well for that. And I tell him at eight o'clock at night, hey, Miss So-and-so says that she didn't receive this. Let's make sure we turn it in tomorrow. And he's like crying and melting oh, down. Yeah. Now, here's reality. He was really melting down about, I miss my friends. I wish I was back in a school building. Why can't I go to recess? You know, there was so much more. And I think we're going to have to expect that this fall. But I want to grieve with you as a kindergarten mom. I mean, like kindergarten, what dropping my kids off at kindergarten was such a bittersweet moment. And especially since you have twins, you don't have any other children? No. So you're not going to get to do this again? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's kind yeah. of something for all of us to process that there are these like milestones that are, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to trip you up here. They no, look, it's they're okay. They look really different. They're going to look really yeah. different than we ever expected. And, and I just want to normalize our country's going to experience some grief. Yeah. That you as a mom are going to grieve that. And in the middle of your grief, you're going to be sad. You're going to be a little frustrated and angry too, mm-hmm. that I would normalize that. You're going to be a little more irritable with your kids. I can, I can claim that anytime, but you know, you're going to be a little more <laughs> yeah, irritable with your I kids. I have been. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, and let me say this, we are going to, I think we're going to learn to manage our lives differently from here on yeah. out because we have always, a lot of us have been big planners and we have had the, I like to call it the facade of control of what's happening around us. And we are losing that facade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're losing a thing that no one ever thought we'd lose. Like, we kind of have a general understanding that we can't control, like, our health or, like, just things like that. But this is, I mean, going to school, that that's just like a, a, who thought we'd lose that? You know, like, that's always been something you could, well, in August, school will come. I mean, that's like the battle cry of every mom come July. Like, oh, school's going to start soon, you know? And it's like, <laughs> we just didn't think we were going to lose that. Or like, you know, you always at least have your friends and family. Well, now you can't see them because X, Y, Z. Like, so yeah, I think, um, I think it's like also the facade. What am I trying to say? Like, like you can have to see something that's a given. You thought this was a yeah. given. Like yeah. you kind of know like, okay, well, if I exercise a lot, it'll help my health, but I can't control my health at the same time. Right. Like you kind of like, know you're like, do things to help, but you can't control them fully. But like, no one thought school, I mean, that's like, no one thought we couldn't go to church. I mean, we're losing two institutions that structure our lives in big ways. Like my planner follows, it goes August to July because it follows a school year. It's like, this is like what we plan our whole lives around and it's not there. I mean, it is, but like not in the way that we, so anyway, it's just, yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. And, and let me say this too, because we may have some homeschool moms listening as well. Mm-hmm. Just to let you know, their lives have changed drastically too. They don't do homeschool by sitting in a home doing school. Right. They Let's have talk about jobs. that because, yes. Let me talk about that because I feel like homeschool moms are kind of getting the like, like I feel like we're all saying, oh, we have to homeschool and homeschool moms are probably like, cool, thanks. So can we talk a little bit about... <laughs> <laughs> Because I just want to talk, like, let's normalize what homeschool did look like and what it, like, like you're saying, like, let's normalize that too, please. Yeah. I mean, in our counseling center, we work with tons of homeschool kids and we actually work with them around the state because we provide telehealth through the state of Texas. And I have helped kids who needed to transition from public school to homeschool due to an illness or a mental health issue that was just becoming too much. And it doesn't look like what this is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they do have all these social structures. Um, not every homeschool mom teaches biology. A lot of times there's a co-op teacher teaching that biology class. Or, you know, for me, it's math. I mean, I took honors calculus, but I cannot, I mean, if you say like Pythagorean theory, it's just like, wow, 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 wow. I mean, I don't even know what that means anymore. And <laughs> I've got a child at that level, like 
she's in algebra one this year. And I'm just looking at that like it's Greek. And I took Greek too, but I don't remember that either. So, yeah. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Do you remember Rebecca? Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't so, know. So yeah, I think that, um, yeah, we, I think the homeschool moms are grieving as well. They are used to play dates. They are used to these field trips that they do together. While all of us are in school, they get to take advantage of like places. Yeah. Open, you know what I mean? Not so crowded. Yeah. That's changed for them too. And, but I do think like Rebecca, you're coming up with you having your kids, you know, pretty much ordered. Let's be real to home. Um, you're, you're thinking about some really neat creative solutions, which I think we need to talk about. My daughter's asking about some of those same ideas. Like, could yeah. we, could we create some COVID circles if we don't have super high risk people in our family? Could we link arms together as moms mm-hmm. and help a sister out? Maybe the math teacher, like I keep telling my daughter, worst case scenario, we'll go get Gigi if we have to. That's my mother who taught high, like middle school and high school math for years, you know? Yeah. Um, but we, there are people who have talents and, and maybe you provide some other aspect for them and they do certain things in this. Yeah. Process. I'll be the lunch lady and <laughs> oh, I love it. everyone else can be the teacher. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> but how great is that? Like, I am so tired of seeing chicken nuggets and ramen noodles. I can't even begin to tell you. Like yeah. I missed the school lunch. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't have to hear what am I going to have for lunch today, mommy. I'm kind of over that question. Oh my God. I think we're all over that one. <laughs> I've never seen them be more hungry in their whole lives. I'm just like, <laughs> do you yeah. eat this much at school? Well, yeah. So a lot of that conversation is going on in our um, area too um, about homeschooling or like school at home co-ops um, or virtual co-ops because um, a lot of people, um, I'm not going to bash our county on a, po- on a podcast, uh, but we're not going to go political, but our county has not done a lot of pre-planning, even though this has been going on since March. So the face-to-face option, the planning that's been put into it is not very good. And a lot of parents and teachers are rebelling. So um, a lot of people don't have choice. And we can talk about that in a second, what, you know, with like essential workers and that kind of stuff. Like some people may not have a choice, but to do face-to-face, but for those of us that like have a choice and have flexibility with our jobs and, you know, have a tight circle of friends that we've been hanging out with anyways, like there's the, the options are, there's a myriad of them. And so there's a lot of talk of like pairing, um, you know, in these COVID circles that you're talking about, like the group of neighbors that we've been hanging out with anyways in this time, because we know what they've been doing and they know what we've been doing and all of that kind of stuff in the way of social distancing and stuff. Like we all have kids about the same age. So we're like talking about doing a third through fifth grade group and a K through second Mm -hmm. group. And like they rotate houses and maybe we get a tutor to like kind of help us. And so there's like all these discussions going on and it, but it's a very tight time frame that these discussions are happening. Like normally when you're making school decisions, you have months to make a decision and we're doing it in a very short amount of time. And so, um, but I think these are all good options. Like we should, we should talk about these things and explore these things and, and see how we can help each other out because, um, yeah, if we rotate houses and rotate parents that are in charge and that kind of stuff, and if we can, we can do this together. And I think that's a positive thing that can come out of this is that it can strengthen our communities um, in a way mm-hmm. that maybe we weren't strengthened before because we're gonna have to rely on each other. And before we just sent our kids off to school and we did our own thing. And now we're going to have to actually like be there for each other, <laughs> which could strengthen hopefully our, our neighborhoods and our communities. I don't know, but that is like a lot of the discussions. I mean, like there's a whole Facebook groups in our county. We're the second largest um, school district in the state. And like there's massive groups going on on Facebook talking about how we can like link arms with one another and teach each other's kids and all of that kind of stuff. That would have never happened and had this not happened. Well, and I think something that some of us may be called to do who are gifted in this area. Now I say us, but I'm not really including myself in this group is but I would, if I were in a different place and my kids were younger, I know that there have been times when I have reached out to that single mom who's got that, you know, job that pays hourly. And I might say, I I know that I had a teacher like that and she couldn't get her daughters on Friday. You know, her daughter came Mm -hmm. home with me every single day for an entire school year. She came home with my child. And I provided, because on Fridays, I didn't work in the afternoons, and I made sure she got transported and got her her school snacks. She was too young to stay on her own and provided care for her. And I think that that is something that we could seek God on is 
maybe we not only include the people that we, you know, love to hang out with, but maybe we think about, I know that in my area, one of the reasons I love my neighborhood is it is diverse. And I feel very called to that. I feel called to, we have a mobile home park that a lot of my neighbors moved out of the area when it was district into my school zone. And I intentionally chose to stay and I want to support those parents as well and try to reach out to them at times. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we can also consider is, you know, what could we do as a culture to contribute to our essential workers who a lot of them are hourly, who don't even have the option of considering a private school or a paid tutor and those kind of things. I'm grateful some of us really have those resources. Um, But for some, you know, and I've thought about that, how could high school kids maybe contribute to our culture in a whole new way by volunteering maybe to tutor somebody whose child can't afford that? It's, It's a really interesting time and season of our lives. And I think we want to think about our own children and deal with our own grief and our own anxiety. But then we also, it's a great time to think about how could I make a difference? Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, to use those high school, middle, even middle school kids who maybe like, I don't know what their schedules will be, but there's probably time and they, I know we have a couple of girls um, in our neighborhood who are high schoolers and they've just been like, so bored this summer. So I've had them come and do like outside play dates, like a couple times a week with my girls. And they've both told me how much they love it because it gives them structure and it gives them like a sense of purpose and something to do. So I'd actually been thinking about that, like instead of, you know, because we can't necessarily afford like a private tutor, but I can afford to get that high schooler who probably remembers, I mean, I'm, it's kindergarten, so I, I should be able to teach kindergarten, but like, you know, if you have a <laughs> but it also gives you kid, a break, you don't have to do it. Yeah. Really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it might, and I it think help that's them. important to think about. I think we're all going to need some breaks along the way. Yeah. And I think if you're starting to, we call it in our counseling center with mamas, lose your cookies. If you're not like, you know, be sick to your stomach, but lose your cookies, yeah. blow your top. Um, yeah. Then we need to take a break. And we mm-hmm. need to remember that this is where I am very passionate. We just wrote a book called Loved and Cherished. I would rather your kids feel loved by you. Yeah then driven by an educational standard that when we get some perspective might not be as significant as we think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to hear that word <laughs> because I felt like a lot of my decision-making right now has been around like what's the best, you know, especially for my older daughter, my younger, my son is, he's only a rising second grader and he's living his best life right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is like, uh, you know, he's like, you were talking about your son. Like, I mean, he's like, this is like, you know, play outside all day, getting to do some video games. I have to do any school. Like this is, if he just did, he'd be totally happy with that. My daughter is very driven, very smart, very structured. She like, she needs. I wonder where she got all that from. (laughs) (laughs) So, but like, she wants to be pushed and challenged. And so like my, like I've been thinking about, oh, how do I, help her, you know, academically without thinking about some of the other aspects of this. Um, so we're, we're honestly considering putting her in a private school in our area. Um, we're in the application process. I mean, she cannot get in because there's not a lot of spaces, but we're in the process because they're, they're, they're starting school, but they're able to, because of the money and the smallness of their school, be able to follow all the social distancing practices and keep their school open versus a, a massive public school that can't, can't do that. And so, but then keeping my son and doing, you know, like some kind of homeschool co-op with him. Um, and so there's, you know, all these decisions, but like thinking about something besides just her academics, because if she does go to this private school, like this was supposed to be her last year of elementary, which is a milestone year too. And they're the oldest at their school. And there's, they have all these special field trips that are now no longer happening because field trips aren't happening and, you know, graduation from fifth grade. And she's been there since kindergarten and, you know, it's a lot. And, and we're going to, potentially move her to a private school where middle school starts in fifth grade. So she's going to be going from the oldest in her Mm. elementary school to the youngest in a middle school, which is a massive shift. And I, I didn't really think about that until last night. <laughs> like the mm. fact, I mean, I kind of, I thought about it when we were choosing the school, but I didn't think about the social emotional aspect of her. Like she's moving into middle school when she was supposed to have one more year of elementary. Now granted they keep the fifth graders. It's like a transition year. So they're separate from the sixth, seventh and eighth graders, but they're not in the lower school. And so it's just, I mean, that's a big jump socially and emotionally. Um, and, and like, 
how do I feel about that? And so that's another aspect of the decision. You know, it's not just the academic decision because academically it would probably be the right fit for her. So. And I do think that's an important aspect to look at for our kids. And then I think, you know, unless we are in a super high risk situation, my daughter has asked if my school goes to online school, could I, she has two friends that are in this little COVID circle that we've created that like you have Rebecca. And so she said, can they come and do school online with me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't want all like, 30 of her classmates doing school online with her, but, and and she'll push it. I already know she's such a social (laughs) butterfly. Like she'll say, but what about so-and-so? I saw her at the grocery store once and yes, we were far away, but technically we were still exposed to one another. So can I invite her to, I mean, that's my child right there. But, um, but I, I think I told her, yeah, if we can make the transportation work between all of us, mamas, then we will try to make some of that work for you. So you can kind of feel like you're in class with a couple of kids because for a very socially driven child, that's how they learn best. And we think about that. You know, I have a lot of training and I used to do trainings in the public school system on learning styles. And that's something that homeschool moms spend some time thinking about too. Um, Teachers spend time thinking about is like, you know, it's something you want to think about. If your kid's going to be doing school at home, do they learn best by seeing something? Do they learn best by hearing something? Do they learn best by bouncing on the ball, wiggling, and moving around a lot? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing, one more thing I want to talk about is the transition. So we've been, you know, it's been since March, the middle of, you know, it's like it was March 16th or something here in Georgia when we went into stay-at-home orders. And so like life completely shifted and we've, as it, it doesn't mean it's not hard right now, but like we've kind of like, kind of gotten in the groove, like and mm-hmm. things are just like much more relaxed and much more. And even the end of school was much more relaxed because it was like crisis mode. It wasn't like true like homeschool virtual learning mode. It was like crisis mode, and the teachers were figuring mm-hmm. things out and all that kind of stuff. And so the spring is going to look much different than it's going to in the fall. And then the summer is the summer, which is normal, but it's like we've had an extended summer. So I guess my question is is like how as we as parents, whether we're sending them to school, we're sending them to a new school, we're going to do virtual at home. Either way, it's going to be structure is going to happen in the fall, whatever that structure looks like. And right now we're very not structure, at least my family's not. And so like, how can we help prepare our kids over the next few weeks, allowing them to still have a fun summer, but like start to get into this idea that it's going to be a major transition because they've been out of it for the structure for so long, so much longer than a regular summer. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. I I would start um, as a mental health professional, there's this thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you start kind of at like the basic physical level and you move Mm -hmm. your way up. So I would start with sleep. That's where I start every year in preparing my kids for school. And I don't think that'll look any different towards the end of July we are not very good with bedtimes during the summer, but um, we are, we will start a process of bedtimes and awake times. Like I've got one child who's generally getting up at eight 30 every morning. So his, his, but his school will start at seven 15. Yeah. That's, you know, so we're yeah. going back to that. So um, I wish your listeners could have seen my mouth drop because it's always <laughs> fun because I have to basically to do everything I want to do and be sane. I need to get about two hours for my kids. Yeah, right. School. So, yeah. you know, I've enjoyed my six o'clock mornings, six thirty mornings, as opposed to where I'm going to head back to. But so that's everybody going to bed. That family movie that's running late at night for a lot of us or some type of binge Netflix series is going to end. Um, and it needs to end. And that's the first start, I think, you know, and, and yeah. we may have to grieve that a little bit too, but just be prepared for that and, and, and put it on the weekends back where it, you know, was before and it belongs again. Mm-hmm. And then during that, so that's the first thing I would met, I would start with this sleep. Um, I do think sometimes like if your kid took their lunch, like my son is such a lunchable kid, I'm cheap and I buy Lunchables when they're 99 cents. And other than that time, I don't buy them. And they have not, I've been looking all summer because I just thought that'd be such a fun thing. Even like it can't, if they go in the summer, 99 cents, I get them for camp. But I'll probably go ahead and get a couple of Lunchables just right before school starts. So there will be something familiar to him. Yeah. And that will make him feel like a little more like, oh, school's in. 
that kind of thing. That um, helped me um, in the spring. I still put their lunches in their little bento box. Mm-hmm. Even though we were at home, I didn't put it on a plate, yeah. which would have made yeah. more sense. But I like packed it and like handed it to them. And I think that helped them to feel like they were at school. I love that because that also creates the structure of lunch, right? Like yeah, time yeah. for lunch and a structure of lunch. I think that's an interesting idea to do. I think some of us will want to keep the familiar. Now, some of us will take advantage of this whole situation. And I'm talking to lots of moms in some homeschool podcasts and co-op groups and stuff where they're thinking about how do I become creative during this time? Mm-hmm. You know, and that is the one advantage. I mean, kids can, like, I was a reading specialist. So, you know, I had this beautiful reading corner with like bean bags, you know, and all, and sensory things kids could hold while they read and stuff like that, because these are kids who generally struggle with reading. And so I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for you to create some interesting space in your home for your kids to enjoy themselves academically in a way that you can't provide when you're in a classroom full of kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think think creating some structure and moving towards some structure is a good idea. I'm sad because you know how I used to do it. I'd always put them in a VBS, a vacation Bible school, like a week or two before school started, just to kind of give us kind of like back to that structure again. And there's no option for that right now. No. Yeah. I miss VBS. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I miss multiple. I'll just be honest. There are three different main VBS curriculums and I miss VBSs. Because, um, you know, I'm happy to write a check, sponsor some other kids, but I loved my kids getting to go VBS with multiple friends at multiple churches and yeah. see different styles and, and, you know, just that break and structure for them. Our kids have not had that structure this summer. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my question about screen time, I think, at least for me. <laughs> um, and for me, I've gotten much more lax in my screen time. You know, we have a lot of rules surrounding screen time during the school year. Um, but we've gotten really la- a lot of it because, you know, it, you're in Texas, we're in Georgia, it's hot. Um, and our pool literally hasn't been open all summer until just now. It just opened a couple of days ago. So now we have that, but before we didn't have the pool and it's getting too hot to play outside and I've got to work like, and so if you need to watch the third episode in that series, okay. You know, or if you need to play Nintendo switch for a little bit longer, okay. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I don't even want to think about how much time they were on the screens. You know, I I, Um, track it and I'm not looking at it, Rebecca. Yes. (laughs) Harder for me. My son is playing with his cousin and other kids. I know. Socialization. That's their social interaction. So I'm allowing more of it because that's the only, that's the social that they're getting, especially my son. You, You know, I just think boys are just more oriented towards playing video games with one another. So he's like talking to his friends and my nephew and stuff, and they're playing video games together. And he's at least he's talking to another human being. And so, and so, but at some point I'm going to have to put the kibosh on it because they're going to have to do school, whether it's at home or go somewhere or be in a co-op or something, they're going to have to like wean themselves off of it. Um, So how do we, how can we start to talk about that? Because I think that's part of the transition process of going back to school. I don't know if we need to make this, like in the past, I would have said, oh, you know, decrease it by like, like go ahead and face the reality that is, which mine might be like six hours a day. I'm just going to confess my sin right here. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I I would have no doubt that it's probably that high. And so you could start weaning them a little, like kind of saying, hey, we're going to go to five hours. We're going to, we have some rules about ours. Like my son, we'll see him. We he has to come up for air. He cannot play for more than two hours straight. I don't yeah. think that's good for a brain. Um, I don't think that's good for a human, all that kind of stuff. And so um, I, we have some kind of things like that, but we'll begin that weaning process. But to be honest, I'm not as concerned this year because with online school, he'll just be online in a different way <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Um, and I, and I think it depends on your child and their, their ability to adapt and how flexible they are to some kids will need a weaning period because they will not be able to make that shift. And I think about kids who are almost on the spectrum. They have that kind of anxiety, ADHD kind of triad thing going on. They may need a little more time to shift and to kind of like let go of some of that stuff. But I think it's going to fall pretty naturally. You know, you're going to get up in the morning. You're going to, I mean, all of us have a little bit of first week of school haze. The teachers do too. When I taught school, I would like be in my pajamas by four o'clock. I would lose my voice on the third day. I mean, all of those things kind of happen. We have an adjustment period for that. And I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, that's good. 
I've just given us some, some grace too. Um, I need to give myself grace um, yeah. about um, how much um, is being allowed. Um, and, and like, yes, becoming up for air, but like it may come up for air for a little bit and then go back to it and that's okay. Um, and they do need fresh air. We need to make sure we get out for that. And luckily now the pool's open. But I, I think my, my personality as such is like, I just want to be like, okay, we're cutting it off now, which works for my daughter, but it does not work for my son. Like, I would not do that. Yeah. To, from everything you told me about your son's personality, I might back him off a little like the week yeah. before day yeah. by day kind of thing. But then you're going to have to figure out what you're going to, if you start weeks before, what you going to do with that boy? If you're trying to, if you're like me and I'm with clients and he's sitting around and yes, I know we existed for those of you who are super anti-screen. I know we existed before this time and kids found things to do and stuff like that. But, but I'll be honest. I mean, I spent, I had a babysitter in the summer if my mom worked and when my mom didn't work, we didn't egg her a lot. And I, I, I don't want to have that dynamic going on in my yeah. household right now. So I think we, I think we need to all make our own decision decisions. Um, we need to seek West counsel. We need to pray. And then we also need to realize that once, I mean, one summer of this is not going to permanently impact anything. We have asked our children to be productive in some way every day. So my yeah. son is learning coding so some mm-hmm. of his computer time is spent, like he made the fastest sword in Minecraft like that, that exists now. Um, whatever those things are called, mods are called. He made some kind yeah. of specialized mod like that this summer because yeah. he wanted to be able to, his daddy wanted to be able to chop through stuff faster. And then like my daughter has written a song for our book, Loved and Cherished, and she's working on some worship music and things like that. We've asked them to move every day. Um, you know, we are, our pool is open. Um, we're being careful and, and we're swimming a little bit. Um, we are blessed enough. We have a pool and we have actually opened it up to friends to like stay on the other side of the pool occasionally and come over. And then like we were gone, we opened, like I literally had a scheduled rotation of people utilizing our pool so that they could be in a private place with their families and do a little bit of that. But I think, um, you know, to wrap all this up again, as we kind of move forward to this whole process with everything that's going on is your kids need to maybe learn a new normal and, and we need to be at peace for that to lead them through that. So it's us working and wrapping our minds around all this first. Us being honest about and validating it's hard. This kind of change is tough. We didn't see it coming um, I, I think if my daughter gets called to online school, she is going to have a meltdown and I'm just going to be there for her in the midst of it. Um, and I'm going to sit beside her and I'm going to grieve her loss of just the experience of middle school social life that she loves with it. I think that most importantly, for those of us who are trying to work inside our homes and educate our children. Um, and even if we're not in working inside our homes, even a lot of stay at home moms don't sign up for 24 seven when they're school age and being a teacher is, I want to say this too, from an educational side of things, your teachers know that as well. The teachers who are working with the kids get it. They really got a taste of it last spring we so have a better appreciation for them. They are so much more. I heard somebody insultingly say child storage and I wanted to open my mouth and just horror. Teachers are so much more than child storage. Mm-hmm. We're taking care. You know, they, they love on our kids. They're passionate about teaching them. They're passionate about developing them so much more than just their brains. And they get that you mamas did not go get bachelor's in education degrees. And even for some of us who do, Mine is in secondary. I never wanted to teach a child under 13, ever. Yeah. (laughs) And so I don't have the patience for that really well. And they understand that too. They get it. You know, their parents too, they're, they're facing their own struggles. A lot of them, we're talking about, you know, the fact that they're putting them themselves at risk and their health at risk. And some of them can, and some of them can't. And the dynamics of that, I'm working with several teachers, families in the counseling office of trying to figure out, are they even going to be able to stay in public education if mm-hmm. they're not the online instructor? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a lot. It's heavy. And I think we just need to give grace to each other and give grace to ourselves and um, be honest. Like this is hard for me. I know it's not as hard for the two of you to be honest about the feelings that surround all this because my natural tendency is like, okay, well, let's make the decision. Let's line up all the things that need to be done to make said decision and not really process like what, like, what all of this means and how my kids are um, handling it. And so just like be able to step back and be like, no, like, how do I feel? How are they feeling? Asking them how they're feeling instead of just like being so task driven. That's just my personality. I know some people, they want to talk about all the feelings and aren't thinking about any of the decisions, the tasks, which is not good either. So it's just learning how to find that balance in all of this and um, talking to each other and processing one another and praying and, all the things. So thank you, Michelle. And Michelle, when does Love and Cherish come out? It comes out in September, but we've got a few spots left. Um, we've got some pre-order opportunities going on right now and would love, it's on amazon.com. It's for, it's designed, the publisher says for eight to 12 year old girls. We definitely have some seven year old girls reading it, some 13 year old girls reading it. And so lovedandcherish.me is our website. Um, and then you can find me if you've got questions about this or you'd like me to come into your school group or another place and talk. I've been spending a lot of times in PTA Zooms, um, just <laughs> helping parents kind of manage this and cope and, and give them some skills. And I think if I would leave with anything, I would also say as a solution focused counselor, our most important goal is to always provide hope for the client until they can grab onto hope themselves. And I want to provide some hope here. This is not going to last forever. This is not going to always be the new normal. And so, and we can do hard things for short periods of time. Rebecca, you can do kindergarten <laughs> as hard as it seems for a short, you can do it for a short period of time with a teacher yeah. leading you and you will figure it out. I love yeah. Maria Freo's phrase that everything is figure outable. And we can do this, guys. We can do it. No matter where we put them, no matter what it looks like, you know, as long as they're going to eat, they're going to feel love and they're going to learn something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good word. Uh, yeah. Love and cherish my, I need to, I need to order one for Myla because she really wants one. Since we had that conversation with you uh, over on your and Lynn's podcast, she keeps asking about it. And I just keep forgetting to order it for her. So I need to order, pre-order her one um, because she's, I mean, she's 10 and a half. So she falls right smack dab in the middle of, of that um, of that devotional, especially if she's going to be going off to a new school and making new friends and entering a new atmosphere. Um, I mean, we're all doing that. But she, if, if you're choosing a totally different school setting for your kid, like I, I think she's going to need something like that to, to kind of anchor her. So thank you so much for your and Lynn's work on producing that as well. So, and thank you well, for being on the podcast, so much, We had so much fun having you and your daughter on the Racing Brave Beauties podcast. It's, it's so fun to interview the kids and see what's going on with them right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, well, thank you, Michelle. We appreciate thank you, it. Michelle. We'll, link, we'll link everything for the pre-order of the book and to your counseling center and to your website because we may have listeners that want to have you come in and speak to their homeschool groups or their co-ops or their PTAs or whatever. So I will make sure that um, the link to your speaking stuff is in there too. So thank good. you, Michelle. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Bye, everybody. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. <laughs>